0: Hello and welcome to the Hole in My Heart podcast. This is episode 98, Talking
1: Sexuality with Our Kids.
0: Welcome. My name is Lori Krieg, and I am the executive director of Holt in My Heart Ministries, and we are coming at you from Grand Rapids, Michigan. And my husband, an Argyle expert, is not able to be with us today, but we do have our producer and the most professional radio voice among us, producer Steve.
1: Oh, hi. Hey,
0: hey. We are exploring today something extremely important and is a question that I've received many times. How do we talk? sexuality, and gender with our kids. And today we have an expert to walk us through some of this, and her name is Dana Gresh. She is a best-selling author, speaker, and founder of True Girl, formerly Secret Keeper Girl, a ministry that brings moms and daughters closer to each other and closer to Jesus, which I'm a big fan and can't wait to use some of your resources both today and read some of those with our two oldest, who are girls. And Dana has authored over 20 books, including In the Bride Wore White, and lies girls believe. And she's been featured on many big media outlets, including CNN, Fox News, and her TED Talk on the walk of shame versus the walk of fame, which I just watched this last week, has over 150,000 views. Dana and her husband, Bob, live in central Pennsylvania. Dana, welcome.
1: Oh, I'm so glad to be here. I gotta say though, I'm a little sad about missing the Argyle expert because <laughs> my husband is a collector of Argyle socks. Oh, they're, what? They're, it's the weirdest collection in the world. It's not in style anymore, <laughs> but um, that would have been a good connection for me.
0: Oh yeah. They could have just that they would have been best <laughs> friends via you. Yes, exactly. Maybe next time. Well, we are excited to dive into this conversation. Like I said, we get many questions. As like People are like, where's the book? Can you please give us the book on yeah. how to walk our kids with sexuality and gender? And it hasn't been written yet. Maybe that'll be book number 21 for you, Dana. But mm-hmm. today we're going to start it with a conversation. But before we dive into that, we want to get to know you in a little bit of a more lighthearted way uh, in addition to the Argyle sock conversation. But through our question of the week from last week which was a good one and actually (laughs) one of my sisters sent me this and she said this what is something you have duct taped together right now Many of us do. Uh, Dana, what do you have duct tape
1: together? Okay. So here's the thing. Duct tape never works for me. No, I, w- I always I try and it's just a situation. That's all I can say is it's a situation. So I have a Jesus, <laughs> my husband would call this a Jesus juke answer. That's when you're like, Hey, we're just trying to have fun, but you had to do like Jesus in the Bible. Um, because our secret keeper girl ministry, which now is rebranded as true girl has a Counterpart born to be brave for mm. fathers and sons. And years ago, we started um, this is going to sound insane, but we started realizing that when Satan tells us a lie long enough, it sticks to us and it becomes sticky. Mm. And that lie becomes a label that we wear. Might be stupid, might be procrastinator might be lazy might be ugly a lot of times they're really really bad words um mm-hmm. even these little children 8 10 11 12 years old will say powerful words like whore mm-hmm. i've had a little girl 12 years old say whore that's my label i don't think she even knew what the word was
0: Aww.
1: Um, But that's kind of how Satan works is he sticks these words to us. And um, so what we did, what we've done for fathers and sons is every night they look at each other and they say, this is my bad word that's sticking to me. And the father takes a piece of duct tape (laughs) and a Sharpie pen and writes a truth word to counteract that lie and places it on his son's chest. And it is the most powerful thing. I mean, Strong, big, burly men are bawling their eyes out as they see the power of words and blessing come over their sons. So, wow, that's my duct tape word. That's what I'm
0: holding together. Fathers and sons. Amen. Hey, <laughs> all right. Well, I got chills and yeah. I'm all choked up already. So we're doing great, Dana. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. You're welcome. Oh man. All right, Steve, which listener response uh, can also give us chills and well? <laughs> uh,
1: well, I like this comment. It came from Aaron uh, on Facebook. My wife and I have our washing machine duct taped. And oh, as somebody no. who has done a lot to keep a washer and dryer
0: running, because <laughs> yeah. we just can't, we can't go replace them there. I totally, I can totally relate. Yeah. You get on YouTube yeah, but- and you figure it out.
1: Yeah, but they're in so much trouble. Yeah. They're in so much trouble. <laughs> There's going to be socks flying out at some well, point. Well, you know, I mean, again, it depends on your faith in the duct tape.
0: The faith That's in the duct true. tape. That's true. I appreciated this response from Mandy. Mandy. Hey, guys. So the item I have that is currently duct taped is my Bible. It's a black journaling Bible held together by hot pink duct tape. And I'm so glad that I have daughters who craft with this stuff so I can use their fun colors. It is wearing out a little, so I'm up for a retape. And my options include purple, neon orange or a galaxy space theme. And I'm taking votes. What do you think? What I like about that is my Bible, my favorite Bible. Which can you have a favorite Bible? I don't know, but my my one that I have carried with me for so long that has so many underlines and just tear stains all over it. It is also duct taped and my husband Matt will be like, just take that in. You know, you can get those repaired. And I'm like, No, there's just it's every even the duct tape itself just makes me happy and connect <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> with this version of the word of God. Again, I don't know if I could say that, but it's just it's it feels like a journal and also just a connecting point from my spirit to the spirit.
1: I think it probably is a high cool factor for you to walk around with a no duct doubt. tape Bible too. Yeah. I think that's probably helping you in that respect, right?
0: I hope so. I was on a panel recently <laughs> with Gabe Lyons and he looked over at my Bible. And he's like, um, so that's been used, huh? <laughs> so I don't know if that was cool or shaming. We'll yeah, see. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> All right, well, let's dive more into your story, Dana, as well as answering some of these questions, or I don't even know if we can ever really answer answer, but to explore some of these answers to questions parents have. But Dana, we ask every guest this set of questions. If the gospel is, I am more loved than I can imagine, and yet more sinful than I believe, when was that gospel first good news for you? And how is it still?
1: Yeah, that's one of my favorite quotes, Tim Keller. Yep. uh, Have it written on my heart. Mm -hmm. Uh, Well, you know, I came to know the Lord as a four and a half year old, and people are like, nah, that's not possible. (laughs) Um, But it's true. I remember the Lord's been really gracious to give me very, very vivid memories about that time and that prayer and where I was sitting. I mean, I feel like I can smell the scent of the pine tree that was right next to me, and Mm -hmm. I can see the grass that was under my feet. And I mean, it's just a sweet, sweet memory. I have no doubt that that's when my first surrender occurred. But um, I think that when I truly understood that quote, I was about 25 or 26. And for 10 years, I had been walking around with a deep, shameful secret. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, the in, in Genesis, it talks about Adam and Eve being naked and being aware of their nakedness after the fall. And that word was actually... The root word was naked, but the word was actually um, a derivative of naked that meant exposed, utterly exposed. So this is like one step beyond naked. This is – you can – See things I do not want you to see beyond my physical nakedness. That was me for 10 years walking around. And, you know, I tried everything. I tried performance. I tried um, antidepressants. I tried relationships. I tried everything to fix it. And the shame that I was hiding was sexual pain from my teen years. Mm. And, you know, it doesn't really matter what kind of sexual pain you might have. Um, It might not even matter that you're trying to deny it because I was trying to deny it. I was trying to, you know, not feel it. And I hadn't cried over it. I hadn't grieved over it. I woke up every day asking God to forgive me. And I mean, I would wake up and I would be like, it's a beautiful day. It's sunny. The birds are singing. Why don't I feel okay? Oh, yeah, that. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was there. And I would confess it again. And um, what what I just believed, the root lie that I was believing is that the gospel was good for you, but I should have known better. I was a Christian. I shouldn't have messed up like that. So the gospel couldn't possibly be big enough for me. And I just couldn't feel the love. I knew I was messed up. I knew the second part of that quote. I just didn't know I was more loved than I could imagine. I didn't know that. And, um, so I'm driving down the highway, listening to a program a lot like this one. And I hear two voices. One says, what is the number one question on a teenage girl's mind when she's talking to her mom about sex? And without hesitation, another voice said the number one question on that girl's mind is mom, did you wait? Hmm. And I pulled to the side of the road. I had my six month old baby girl in the back seat of my car, pulled to the side Hmm. of the road, finally allowed 10 years of grief to engulf me and you know what the healing process I wasn't courageous enough to do for myself when I realized that it would impact her for good or for bad whether I chose to fight that battle well that mama bear rose up in me and I was willing for the first time to face the hard work of healing and uh, that for me that first step was confessing telling someone The Bible tells us that when we confess our sins to one another, we're healed. Christ alone can forgive us. Confessing to Christ alone is what gives us forgiveness. But what the church at large is missing so very often is transparency and authenticity in the Bible or in the body so that we can say in real time, no, 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 I'm struggling with, and name it, pornography, homosexuality, same-sex attraction, um, uh, I'm adultery, I'm having sex with my boyfriend, whatever it is, we got to call a spade a spade and a muddy shovel, a muddy shovel, and be able to say that in a safe space. And I finally got courageous enough to do that. And it was life changing. I finally started to believe that I was more loved than I could possibly imagine. I already knew I was more sinful Mm
0: -hmm.
1: than I could believe. I already knew that. Um, I just needed to balance it out with
0: some love. There you go. How do you still need the gospel, Dana?
1: Oh, every day. The Lord is taking me through a thing right now about humility Mm. and how I don't have any. (laughs) And uh, it's, you know, I finally got to a place where I felt like I was breathing crisp, fresh mountain air and walking closely with the Lord. And he's like, okay, there's this little thing we need to work on. Oh, snap. And I, everywhere I look, like I'm every day, I'm like, you know, worried about if I get a good seat in the airplane and Mm -hmm. I don't care about everybody else's seat. I care about mine. I'm worried about if I'm too busy to do this or to that. And, uh, you know, this week I was touched. My husband spoke in our ministry chapel and said, you know, you're not too busy to say thankful you. You're not too busy to say thank you. That is a symptom of your pride. You think your life is so important and so grand that you don't write the thank you note. You don't pick up the phone and make the call because you don't have time. Mm -hmm. And he talked about all these great men who said thank you. And, um, you know, George Bush, the first George Bush was writing thank you notes every night because he thought it was important. I think the president probably had some things to do, you know? (laughs) So I'm trying to write thank you notes this week because, it's a symptom of my pride not to stop and say thank you to people. So the Lord's working on that in my heart, pride. Mm. Pretty ugly, actually.
0: So ugly. And so from the beginning of creation and just I th- that's probably one we all face, even if we don't know we're facing it. And that's probably the worst <laughs> if we aren't even aware of it. Now, Dana, um, we're talking about how to talk with our kids about sexuality. What would you say is the goal for walking with our kids and their sexuality? Sexual wholeness. What's that mean? (laughs) Well, it's not perfection
1: because there's not many of us uh, who achieve that in our sex lives. I think there are some set apart by God's grace who I know, who I'm friends with, who the Lord has just said, this is not an area where I'm going to allow Satan to touch you. But they are very few and very far between. Mm -hmm. The majority of us will be assaulted in this area. And the reason we're assaulted is because the Bible tells us that marriage and sex is a picture of the gospel. It tells us that story from Genesis to Revelation. So if marriage is a picture and sex is a picture of the gospel, how motivated do you think Satan Satan is to see that destroyed in your life. And he is motivated to see that destroyed in our children's lives. So if we make virginity until marriage the goal, we are legalists and we are Pharisees because yep. uh, we're believing the lie, first of all, that our kids can't sin. Um, and this is the big target area for Satan. And we're we're also believing the lie that we can control our kids' behavior and that we have something to do with our kids standing before Christ in holiness and purity. Uh, we have some responsibility in that area, but they're going to stand before Christ alone. Mm. And um, so, I think what I have come to understand is that virginity is not the goal. Um, purity is a process, a direction a pursuit. It's not a place of arrival. And it's certainly not a place of beginning. Psalm 51, five says, surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the moment my mother conceived me. That's uh-huh. us. And this is one of the areas where we're going to mess up big time. Uh-huh. So I want my children to know what God's plan is. I want them to aim for it and pursue it and be directed that way. I also want them to know that when they mess up, there are arms of grace and mercy waiting to embrace them and help them heal. That's sexual wholeness.
0: That's really important to highlight that purity doesn't, you don't begin with purity. And so just because your child is a virgin doesn't mean they're not a sinner and even like sexually broken type of sinner, even as a kid. So that's really important. What about when we're looking at our children? So if we think like, okay, you know, we, this is a pursuit of purity. Um, and, and I hear your trajectory, like you're envisioning, uh, you know, marriage and sexuality, but what if our kids are called to singleness?
1: Mm-hmm. How,
0: what's sexual wholeness mean in, in singleness? Well, that's a really big
1: blunder in the church right now. We aren't honoring and blessing and upholding singleness the way that, um, for example, the apostle Paul did. Yep. Uh, you know, one of the most radical writings that Paul presents for us is in Galatians, where he talks about the food for the stomach, stomach for the food, yep. um, all those stuff. And he's talking about sex. He's like, listen, sex isn't just an appetite that you serve. It's, that's that was the common Greek view of the day. Um, Nor, he addresses the church, is it something to be afraid of and avoided because they were saying, hey, it's good for a man not to have sex with his wife. That's what the church was saying. Hey, we don't want to do this whole thing that the Greeks are doing and just have sex because it's scratch and itch. We want to be like, we're only going to have sex when we're ready to procreate. And Paul was like, oh my gosh, you're nuts. Mm -hmm. This is not exactly what God had in mind. He, He had in mind this deep, rich, intimate love relationship that's fun and passionate and full of pleasure in the marriage bed and in that same area of scripture it's like he forgets how amazing marriage is and he says but really it'd be awesome if you could be single because uh, you know i've been single and i've been able to serve the lord so much better this way and what what, what was so radical about that is this that in that greek culture singleness was it was like leprosy mm-hmm. if you were a single especially a single woman you are expected to perform sexually. You were essentially legislated to a life of prostitution because there, what other value did you have? Mm. You couldn't procreate. You weren't married. That's, there's, so, okay, at least create pleasure for the men that you – you know. and then if you became a widow, within two years, if you weren't remarried, Caesar fined you. You had a fine you had to pay. And so this was a culture that completely devalued singleness. And radically, Paul is saying to the church, listen, it is good to be single. And it is your job to take care of the single people in your church, which really is something that we're not doing well. We throw bridal showers for the girls that are getting married. What are we doing for the single women to make sure that their needs are met? What are we doing to help them further their calling for the gospel? Are we Mm -hmm. You know, I've been so burdened by this that from now on when I go to a bridal shower, I ask the Lord, "What single woman does he want me to shower with a gift?" So, good. and I'm just doing that. So, so this is a big area that we're getting wrong when we talk to our children about sex and marriage and the goal we have to say and the Lord and maybe the Lord's going to call you to the gift of singleness and that's a great thing. We have to create a vision for that and understanding of it.
0: So, we'll get asked three to six year old, you know, we've got little kids, we have a five year old, a three year old in a few months or, you know, can you even start talking about sex? You know, I'm looking at this world and it's scary. And there's guys who are dressing as women and their same sex marriage. And ah, Do I even talk yeah. about this with my, let's say the three to six year old range? What, what do we start doing there? You have to. Um, and here's why. So they're not growing up in a vacuum
1: where they're not seeing and being exposed to sexual messages. They are every day. They're not, they're being exposed to gender messages every day. And, um, even before our culture was really communicating a lot of confusion in this area, I was advocating that in those preschool years, you start with very simple conversations. Like, um, for example, You can take your children out and show them flowers in a garden, and show them a pistol and a stamen in a lily, for example. And you can say, "Look, there's a pistol and a stamen. It's kind of like a mommy part and a daddy part because it takes a mommy and a daddy to create life in all of life. And you know what? This is true in 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 all procreation Hmm. that there's a female and a male counterpart, even in um, the the plant world." Um, one of the things my mom did that was just nuts and people are like, what, uh, is we lived across from a cow pasture and those mama dairy cows would have babies now and then. And when they went into labor, you could hear them, man, they were hollering. <laughs> and my mom would pop some popcorn, mix up some Kool-Aid and pop out the lawn chairs and sit <laughs> us down. And I thought, what in the world? <laughs> um, but she said, you know, I wanted you to understand sex and procreation. And so what more innocent way than for you to see the beauty of life. Now it was messy beauty, but it was beautiful. Um, and I kind of patterned after that. I don't live across from a cow pasture, but I, my children, when I heard the neighbors down the street were having puppies, we like jumped in the car and drove down there. Stray cat having kitties. Like there are ways that you can let your children have like these mini lessons in life mm. that set the stage for the conversations that you're going to have in the future.
0: Mm. That's really good. And I think about at this young age, something that Matt and I are doing, because we're heavily involved in this gender and sexuality conversation and training. Mm -hmm. And I just think about our daughters. You know, people are always like, girls are like this and boys are like this. So if I'm specifically thinking gender right now, I do try to, at this young age, have my girls see they belong with me. They belong with the family, but they also belong in this woman world, even though oldest daughter, Gwen. Enneagram four, super poet, like just looks at the, she she and I get it. I get her. Number two, she, uh, Juliet, she is sassafras. She is, she can go from zero to a hundred in a second. She's sporty. She's like an engineering mind different, but I want them both in their different versions of feminine to know they belong Mm -hmm. in my, in this club, that there's like a special, unique feminine way about them in their unique nuances. So I'm not saying gender conformity, but I'm saying they're is a feminine aspect to both of them. And my son, I want him to know, yes, he belongs with me, but also with my husband who is a therapist and very emotional and not stereotypical yeah. male in some ways and some ways not. So just like creating those belonging places, would you say that that's yeah. helpful?
1: This is a big deal. So first of all, there's two things I want to say. One is uh, it, one, a really important sentence to say to your children in those preschool years is it's great to be a girl. Yeah. And it's great to be a boy, you know, affirming and celebrating distinct gender. And that's just a simple thing. You know, it's not like you make a big theological lesson out of it, but you say it, you celebrate it. But the second thing is this spectrum of gender is a very important thing not to ignore. And the church has been guilty of ignoring it. The culture has been guilty of ignoring it Mm. for decades. And that's why we're having such a powerful backlash, I think, in some ways, um, the term gender was coined by a man named John Money. And, um, you know, partly there were a lot without going deeply into his agenda. One of part of his concern was that we were boxing men and women into these neat and tidy places that not all of them fit. Mm. And you know what, that's, that's that's a true fact. You know, my pastor's wife is the tomboy of all tomboys. Mm -hmm. She can play, she can shoot hoops competitively with her husband and his friends. And it is a bore for her to play with the girls. (laughs) Um, she is just phenomenal. Uh, and when you first meet her, like she does not come across as distinctly feminine. Mm -hmm. And yet, you know, like the one time we were traveling and her Vera Bradley bag fell out of the, the airplane cabinet. And I was like, you have a Vera Bradley bag. She's like, Oh my (laughs) gosh, I love flowers. I love Vera Bradley. And I was like, yay. Like (laughs) she is distinctly female in her own unique way. And when we start to tell guys, you can't be florist, you can't be a ballerina, you can't, uh, you know, all these, you can't, all we are doing is feeding them lies that confuse them about how God made them Mm. rather than helping them to embrace it. So you shouldn't be afraid of, um, you know, their gender, gender confusion can manifest in early years. Um, in fact, true gender confusion does manifest in early years, mm-hmm. but we have to be careful not to jump off the handle when mm-hmm. our daughter gets excited because dad's going hunting or our son gets excited because mom's picking flowers. Like that is not gender confusion. That is just your child exploring the spectrum of their gender.
0: Yep and to celebrate. That isn't that neat how God can make women different and yeah, I love it. So, yeah. Dana, I've I've been in conversations with people recently who they see, you know, uh, public schools for instance saying, "Okay, we're going to have a safety group for LGBT kids." So, in a middle school. And and I've heard some concern and pushback to like, "Wait, why are we talking even about sexuality?" at all in middle school. Now, I know some of your perspective that we, we've got to be talking about sex and sexuality and gender, even in those preteen and junior high years. Is that true? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Um, the, you know The prevailing thought among
1: parents has been, and I think this is shifting out of force, that we don't need to talk to our kids about sex till they're teenagers, because why would we? Um, but the prevailing wisdom of psychologists and counselors and therapists and the medical professionals, including those in the Christian field, would say that you really need to be having the conversation about sex by about their ninth or tenth birthday. And if you're not, you're missing some very important critical development years. Mm. Um, here's 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 one thing that we know. Basically, our belief system is fairly baked by our thirteenth or fourteenth birthday. Hmm. We may shift a bit, but and and God can he can do anything. You know, he there are certainly people who didn't believe in God until they were in their twenties or their thirties or beyond. But in general, our worldview is pretty much established by our thirteenth or fourteenth birthday. So if you wait until then to talk to them about sex. Whoa, you have missed the boat. Meanwhile, their ears were, were hearing all these other sexual messages and your silence has just become a megaphone to the world's lies. Mm. So it is critical that we're talking to them between the ages of nine, 12, 13. Those are really important, formative years of, um, belief.
0: And it is critical in those formative years of belief because parents may get afraid. I think fear motivates us so much as they see their kids going to public schools and they're like, oh no, there's these LGBT groups, they're gonna be filling our kids with these lies and ah. But really, there's an assumption under there that the public school is supposed to train our kids to be salt and light. But your public school is probably dark and bland. So we need to be training our kids in our homes to be salt and light so that when they encounter these spaces of different beliefs, they both are extremely compassionate for those who are wrestling with their gender and their sexuality. And that yet they're, they're unwavering in their saltiness and lightness.
1: Yeah. And here's the thing. It's not just that we're sending our kids off to school and expecting them to form beliefs and understanding and educate them. We're sending them off to church and thinking the yep, same thing. We're absolutely. buying a Christian book and say, read this book. I'll pay you 50 bucks. That way I don't <laughs> have to talk to you about it. Um, in the Bible, there is not one place ever where the formal education of moral belief is ever assigned to anyone other than parents, Oh snap! Period. Mm. That's, we, it is our job. You, you want to send some, pay somebody else to teach your child math? Fine. You want to pay somebody else to teach your child French? Fine. You want to pay somebody else to teach them how to play the trumpet? Great. But you cannot phone this thing in. Mm-hmm. Moral development is assigned to you. And as far as the church goes, you know, the school at least has a shot. They have our kids for 30-plus hours a week approximately. Um, and they are going to form some belief Whether you like it or not, they are going to be forming belief in your kid. The church has one out of, what is it, like 169 hours a week? How's that going to work? It's not. It's Mm -hmm. not. It's your job. you got to step up and do it.
0: So, Dana, this is really helpful in such a, a beginning of this conversation. I know we've engaged kids in sexuality and gender on this podcast before, and you're helping us further this. And we, we won't stop here, listeners. I believe you me. But, Dana, just as some, a last step here, if a parent or an aunt or an uncle or a caregiver of some variety of kids, a teacher is thinking, oh, man, it's too late. This world is so dark. Ugh, I quit. Like, my kids are old. And ugh. what would you say to them? Well,
1: it's never too late. (laughs) I hope Jesus never gives up on me that way. He didn't for 10 years. He chased me down in all my brokenness and my pain and my hurt and my unbelief and the lies I was believing. And I I think about the lost sheep, you know, I kind of was like a lost sheep for 10 years. And I don't know. Some people are like, theologically, that's the unsaved. And some people are like, no, it's to me, it's that person was in the flock. That lost sheep was in the flock and now they're not there. Mm. And um, we Wonder, And what does Jesus do? He chases the lost sheep down. He leaves the 99. And, uh, you know, I, you have to counsel your heart and say, you know what, this is where Satan is attacking right now. My child, my grandchild, I am going to put on my boxing gloves and fight with every spiritual weapon that I know. Mm. And I am going to help Jesus chase down the lost sheep because that's what he does. And I want to be a part of what he does.
0: Hmm. Amen. Amen. Dana, thank you so much for um, sharing your heart with us today and your your mind, your mind, your heart and your spirit.
1: Yeah, it's been my pleasure, guys. Thank you.
0: Guys, if you want to connect to Dana and her books, as well as that TED talk, and you can find her on Twitter and Instagram, uh, as well as she has a masterclass that I thought was pretty cool. It's a pure freedom masterclass and it helps you to gain confidence to answer today's questions about sexuality and gender. And so the more people who are leaning into this conversation with gentleness and also strength, oh, we need it so much. So I'm so grateful for her voice. And guys, if you like what you hear, we so appreciate uh, seeing your reviews, especially on iTunes. We also love hearing from you. If you guys have areas for us to pray for, uh, we're happy to do that. And if you guys want us to come train you, we do something called a Journey Well Workshop. Uh, We have a seven hour version and an hour and a half version where we can come train and equip your team. We've done this for universities and for churches and for smaller groups of people uh, to help you answer the question, how can we journey well? alongside people who are wrestling with their sexuality and gender. And uh, what people walk away with is really practical steps as far as how can we do this and that, as well as uh, the real big picture. Oh, wow, we're not super great, as what Tana was saying, at, at walking authentically with each other, no matter how we're wrestling. So we're happy to do that. Um, and we will also connect you to Dana and, and to her work as well in this field. So important. Now, we do have a question of the week for next week, which the question is what or who makes you laugh the most these days? If you're like me, fall can sometimes add in a little seasonal affective disorder as well as some pain, which I just want to shout out to you guys who've reached out to me. I've said on this podcast how I don't like fall. I don't like October because that's when some pain has happened to me and it just kind of comes up. The season's changing. Thank you for praying for me. This season has actually, so far, only a few, a little bit in to the fall Um, but it's been so far so good just clinging to Jesus he just keeps working on my heart as I know he's working on yours but we can always use a little more laughter so we would love to uh, get any links or funny gifs or gifs or however you're supposed to say it I don't care (laughs) Uh, we'd love to get those from you uh, just to, to bring a smile to our face and to share it with others but guys thanks so much for being a part of this podcast fam we really we do this for you so thanks for being a part of it So for all of us here at the Hole in My Heart podcast, we will see you next week.